Have you ever found yourself trying to make the right decisions, trying to do the right thing, and there's like all these barriers that keep coming up? Last week, we talked about distractions and how we can sometimes get distracted by things, by other people's stuff, by our own stuff, our own ways of thinking and being and doing and processing. And then what about barriers? Barriers are these things, they like become unmovable. And barriers can be anything from physical, mental, emotional. They can be relational. It can be perceptions, beliefs, ways of doing things, worldviews. We have so many barriers in life, whether we create them ourselves or it's because of something else or someone else. And it's like one of those things where as you're trying to navigate life and every day we can come up against a barrier of some sort and we're trying to do the right thing and it's like, oh, come on, come on. And sometimes they are big and monstrous and sometimes they're just annoying. And so how do we figure out how to go forward? How do we find our way forward when the barriers just keep coming? They don't stop. So for today, we are going to look at Acts, the 12th chapter. And Acts 12 is getting in a discussion uh, story of Herod imprisoning Peter. This is the second. Last week I mentioned we were on the first prison story, imprisonment story. This week it's the second one. Herod's going to imprison Peter. And at this point, Herod is a big old barrier. Herod is a barrier to the early Christians. He, he is all about making people suffer because Herod, Herod's all about power, money, control. He also really enjoys using, inflicting violence and fear upon others because he himself is fearful. And so not only is he a barrier to himself and a barrier of always living in a state of who's trying to get him, so he has to get them first. But he becomes a barrier in other people's lives. And at this point in the story, we actually know some things that Herod did. Herod is seen as being complacent in the crucifixion of Jesus. Herod, This Herod has beheaded John the Baptist. This Herod... This Herod has also been complacent in, you know, the stoning of Stephen. And now we're getting to a story where he has actually beheaded James. James the apostle, not James the brother of Jesus. And it was like it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for him to inflict that much pain. And so he is going to imprison Peter. So when we're thinking about that, when we're thinking about the severity of the barriers we have in life, of whether we're creating them or someone else, there begins to be all these different factors, right? And how do we get through it? How did the early Christians get through it? How did those early disciples figure it out when the barrier wasn't going to be removed? Herod's going to survive through this whole story, starting in Acts, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 5. 
About that time, King Herod began to harass some who belonged to the church. He had James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter as well. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. He put Peter in prison, handing him over to four squads of soldiers, 16 in all, who guarded him. He planned to charge him publicly after the Passover. While Peter was held in prison, the church offered earnest prayer to God for him. All right, so this Herod, who happens to be the grandson of Herod the Great, he's also known as Herod Agrippa. So this Herod, who is all about power, he also likes to be popular. He, he likes that. He likes people going, ooh, love what you do. And so he is emboldened by killing, by the violence he inflicts on James, that he goes after the most prominent of the apostles, Peter. And he has Peter imprisoned. And uh, like I said last week, the metaphor of being imprisoned, that sometimes we imprison ourselves with our own beliefs, ways of doing things, perceptions, the way that we have to be right, and sometimes it's somebody else imprisons us. Because Herod has only one way of doing things. Herod is not going to change. Herod likes power and control and has to be right. And so Herod goes into this fearful thing where it actually makes him more popular with others. And so for him, it builds him up in some really sick way. And he becomes a barrier, not just to himself. He is already a barrier to himself and being able to thrive and being able to see any other way forward than in misuse of power, in the misuse of his resources, in the misuse of how he engages with others in his responses. Could you imagine if Herod ever said, oh man, I am really sorry. Yeah, that's not going to happen because Herod's always right. And so we have the setup here. We have Herod has imprisoned himself in a way of living and thinking that the world should go and he is going to control it to the detriment and the death of others. And Peter gets caught in this. Peter gets imprisoned by that. Peter's going to sit in a jail cell. Continuing on in verses 6 through 9. The night before Herod was going to bring Peter's case forward, Peter was asleep between two soldiers and bound with two chains, with soldiers guarding the prison entrance. Suddenly an angel from the Lord appeared and a light shone in the prison cell. After nudging Peter on his side to awaken him, the angel raised him up and said, Quick, get up! The chains fell from his wrist. The angel continued, Get dressed, put on your sandals. Peter did as he was told. The angel said, put on your coat and follow me. Following the angel, Peter left the prison. However, he didn't realize the angel had actually done all this. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's imprisoned. Again, this metaphor, he can't figure out a way out. He can't figure out a way forward. He can't figure out a response. And there he sits. He sits between all of them. He sits bound. 
and an angel, which just means a messenger from God, a messenger of God. God's presence shows up in the moment and is like, hey, get up, Peter. And this light shines in. And again, it's this sense of light shines into this cell, shines into this prison, shines into this situation. And now Peter can see it from a different perspective. Peter can see his situation with more than how awful it is and it's all crumbling. If the world is falling apart, there's nothing I can do. There is no response I can give. And the messenger of God is, hold up, wait a minute, yes there is. And the chains fall from his wrist. All of a sudden he's, he's free. Uh, it's only going to be one way. Peter is now free to grab hold of something else, to grab hold of a different way, a different perspective, a different way of responding to the situation. And that, again, keeps playing with the metaphor of grab your clothes, grab your sandals, put them on, let's go. What do we grab hold of when we think our world is falling apart? Who are we listening to when we think there is nothing, there is no way forward, this barrier, it's going to crush me? How do we respond in a way that goes, I think God's still with me? That sense that God's presence never, ever leaves us. That sense that God's presence is constantly with us and shows up even in the most dire of circumstances. But will we hear, will we notice, even this messenger from God has to nudge Peter like, hey, get up, get going. And how often do we ourselves Fine, we need to be nudged and awakened to go, wait a minute, I think there's a different way of looking at this. I think there's, I need to listen to something else. I need to listen to someone else. And so a real challenge that when we're coming up against the barriers, who are we listening to? Who are we seeking out? Who and what do we grab hold of? Is it just that, one way of looking at things, or do we start to grab hold of things that give us new perspectives, new possibilities, new ways of understanding our situation, new ways of responding to what's happening? That question of who are we listening to, who is guiding us on a regular basis every time one of these barriers pops up? Because this barrier of Herod is not going to be removed. Herod is still going to exist, but how Peter responds is now different. Continuing on in verses 10 through 12. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. After leaving the prison, they proceeded the length of one street. When abruptly the angel was gone, at that, Peter came to his senses and remarked, now, now I'm certain that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod and from everything the Jewish people expected. Realizing this, he made his way to Mary's house. Mary was John's mother. He was also known as Mark. Many believers had gathered there and were praying. So Peter is like, wait a minute, I think God is with me that this moment comes and he's got to make a decision. 
He's got to make another choice of which direction. Now that he senses, wait a minute, I've got another way of responding to the situation to Herod. What am I going to do? He makes the decision, you know what? I'm going to go to Mary's house. And this Mary, the mother of Mark, known as John Mark. John Mark is the, it is believed that John Mark is the Mark of the Gospel of Mark. John Mark writes that. That's the, the tradition. And so here, Peter makes a decision. He's free somewhat. Herod's not gone. It's still tenuous. And so he's going to go and hang out with the disciples. He's going to go get strengthened. He's going to go be with the people who've been praying for him. Even that, right? Because that's the way it started. He gets in prison, and the community, the church prays for him. That sense of conversing with God, of focusing upon, putting that energy there. And that's one of those like first steps of how do I begin to rethink? How do I deal with this barrier? That sense of a conversation with God, but that's only the first step because prayer is meant to then go into action. And so He's got this sense that he needs to go be with this community. He needs to go get strengthened. He needs a little bit of space to figure out what's next. And so on his way, he goes. On his way to be with those who can help him, who can encourage him, who can help him have a little bit of direction. And you can't help but think that there's probably a little pep in his step. He's like, okay, I think I've got a way forward. I think I'm doing it. And he shows up. And this is kind of interesting. He shows up expecting maybe something more than what happened, but yet we get another moment, another like, hold up, wait a minute, is this one of those like little barriers? Like the barriers maybe that even occur when it's not because of a Herod, it's not because of maliciousness, but those everyday kind of things. Here he is. Verses 13 through 15. When Peter knocked at the outer gate, a female servant named Rhoda went to answer. She was so overcome with joy when she recognized Peter's voice that she didn't open the gate. Instead, she ran back in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. You've lost your mind, they responded. She stuck by her story with such determination that they began to say, must be a guardian angel. Think about this for a moment. Peter gets there. They've been praying for him. They've been praying to kind of figure out, okay, how can this, how can we figure out a way forward? They have been praying, talking to God, all that focus and energy. And here Peter shows up and he's knocking on the door. Rhoda hears him. Rhoda's so excited. She doesn't let him in. All right. This is one of those barriers that happened because of miscommunication. She's so excited. She's not really thinking clearly. There's nothing malicious because she likes him. In fact, all of the disciples like him. They've been praying for him, right? And yet, they won't believe her. The other disciples will not believe Rhoda. They're like, no, that's impossible. Because for them, in this moment, the barrier becomes the impossible just became possible. They can't get that through their heads. They're like, wait a minute, no. Like, what do you mean? God makes the impossible possible. And here, 
that is beyond their box that they've created. That is beyond their comfort zone. And so they're struggling. And their struggle right here throws up another barrier to Peter, even though Peter, they like him. They have no issue with him. It's one of those moments where you go, wow, how often not only do we experience barriers thrown up by others, by situations, by even ourselves, our own decision-making, but how often are we throwing them up and maybe we don't even realize it for others? How often are our responses, our actions, our judgments, our perceptions, the way that we react to a situation actually creating barriers in our relationships, barriers for others? And no, they're not the level of Herod, but just to be able to question that, of the way that we engage with one another, does that create a barrier that is unnecessary, that can be problematic? Is it a barrier that actually hinders somebody else from thriving, hinders ourselves from thriving? So they contemplate, right? And they're kind of like, okay, maybe Rhoda's right. They finally begin to get that breakdown of, well, maybe we should listen. Maybe we should be guided by. Maybe we should notice, take notice. Continu continuing on in verses 16 through 19. Meanwhile... All right, so while they are discussing this, meanwhile, Peter remained outside knocking at the gate. They finally opened the gate and saw him there, and they were astounded. He gestured with his hand to quiet them down, then recounted how the Lord led him out of prison. He said, tell this to James and the brothers and sisters. Then he left for another place. The next morning, the soldiers were flustered about what happened to Peter. Herod called for a thorough search. When Peter didn't turn up, Herod interrogated the guards and had them executed. Afterward, Herod left Judea in order to spend some time in Caesarea. So here, Peter keeps knocking. He's like, I have got to get through. I have got to tell them what has happened. I've got to give them some new directions. So finally, finally they decide, okay, maybe we should show up and see who's down there. Maybe we should take some initiative. All that praying takes, <laughs> all that praying requires us to then take action. We know how prayer works when we pray and then we take action. Prayer is not meant to be some easy button it's not meant to magically make things happen the way that we want them to happen, but instead is a conversation with God that begins to guide our actions, our words, a way forward. And so they finally show up, and they finally let Peter in, and they let him in, and he tells the story. He's like, here's what happened to me. God was with me, and you've got to go tell James. And this James that we think is the brother of Jesus, who also became prominent in the early church. And so here, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, 
things that we thought were impossible become possible. God's presence really is with us. And to notice, to take note, wait a minute, Herod is still a barrier, but we have got a different way to respond. We have got to figure out a different way as a community to respond to the barriers that we face. And that Peter isn't going to just stop there. He's like, no, he, he's now on a mission. He's like, I've got some clarity now. I've got to tell this to you. And now I've got to go and talk with others. I've got to go in another direction because he can't keep responding the same way that he's always responded, where he just sits in the cell and has no more to say. He lets others imprison him and stop him from thriving. Stop him from a way forward. Stop his reactions from still being one filled with love and possibility, being filled with love and joy, being filled with love and peace, being filled with, wait a minute, there's a, still a different way of living and being and encouraging in this world. Peter is like, I have got to go encourage others with this story. And Herod... Herod doesn't change. Herod doesn't go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I, maybe I should take a different direction. No, instead, Herod feeds into the fear, feeds into the way that he's always done it, and he kills the guards. Herod is stopped in life. He is stuck in a vicious, vicious cycle of he's all, the only one who knows what to do. He's the only one that's got it right, that there is no possibility where God may be guiding him, that God may be guiding him in new directions, calling to him to say, wait a minute, you don't have to keep down that path, Herod. Here we've got a chance, and Herod's like, no, not going to do it. He is going to stay comfortable in the way that he has always done things, in the way that he has always ruled, in the way that he always reacts. And Peter's like, no, i got other things i got to do. I've got other directions I need to go because, Herod, this barrier is not going to be removed, and so how am I going to prepare others? Peter is all about encouraging and helping others because Herod's not going to stop. And so how can he encourage the others in life, even as this barrier takes aim at so many others? And so for ourselves, as we're thinking about the barriers that we face in life, that maybe they're the small ones, kind of like Rhoda and the disciples of, wait a minute, I'm so overjoyed, I forget to answer the door, or, oh, that's impossible. Or maybe it's on the severe level of Herod, who wants to stop life. But how, how will we begin to respond differently? How will we begin to notice who is in our life that is that messenger, that is that presence of God that illuminates and shines and gives us wisdom and gives us thinking about different directions? What are we going to grab a hold of? What are we going to hold on to? What words, what actions, who, what community? What we hold on to that gives us new ways of handling, of dealing with the barriers in life that are more like Peter and less like Herod. 
How will we be challenged by this story today? How will we be encouraged by it, inspired by it? Will we take note of how maybe we've created barriers for others? Maybe we take note of how, you know what? I need to offer that apology. I, I need to be present with, the, with an individual in a different way, with a community in a new way. I need to be open to new possibilities. I need to be open to new ways of thinking and being, of praying, of loving, that's connected to God. How will we be inspired by this story today? How will we be inspired to move forward? Amen.